This is the city. The city of Absalom. The city at the center of the world. Absalom is celebrating the Radiant Festival, a three-month festival of epic proportions held once every hundred years. The celebration attracts all types. Tourists, performers, merchants, inventors, as well as unsavory types, petty thieves, gangs, cults, and criminal enterprises. That's where we come in. We protect and serve. We are the agents of Edgewatch. Hey everyone, welcome to Roll for Combat, Agents of Edgewatch. I'm your GM and host, Stephen Glicker, and in this week's episode, they finally made it to the party. That's right, they finally made it. Yay! Although, can they handle this party? I don't know if they can. Find out this week. So this week, I am doing something very different. As some of you might be aware, there was a very big commotion in the world of gaming where a very popular YouTuber came out with a video saying why I'm quitting Pathfinder. He also then had a rebuttal video to the first video because after he put out the first video, a lot of people put out rebuttals to that video saying why you shouldn't be quitting Pathfinder and why a lot of the points he brought up in his video were wrong. Well, he then does a rebuttal rebuttal video where he explains why in more detail he is quitting Pathfinder. I have a very long response and I am putting this at the end of the podcast. So if you want to hear this, you can hear my response at the end of the podcast. And I'm putting this on both podcasts. I'm putting this both on Three Ring Adventure as well as Agents of Edgewatch. So either one you can listen to and listen to my rebuttal. The rebuttal is about half an hour long. And the thing is, is that I listened to both of his videos. And in fact, I completely changed my argument listening to his second video where he kind of talks about the true mechanics of Pathfinder 2nd Edition and why he doesn't like it, as opposed to things like character development or story development or PC or GM methodology. He goes into the math, but I get into it. I changed my script. I decided to go in and explain, at least in my mind, why this was occurring and how to fix it. So check that out if you want to listen to it. It's all the way at the end. I will wait for you. You can come back here. But otherwise, I'm not going to be talking about much. This is going to be the shortest intro ever because I added oh so much at the end of this podcast. So let's quickly get to show notes. So show notes, exciting news. We are getting some colored illustrations for the RPG Superstar book. I put a few of the color illustrations up on Discord and some new sketches. I'm actually getting them all finalized. I'm not going to put them all up because then you wouldn't buy the book. But if you check out Discord and go to the RPG Superstar section, you can start seeing the pictures of the monsters as they come in. So very exciting. Check that out. Just go to discord.rollforcombat.com. Otherwise, I'm going to keep this one short. I did a lot of talking in my rebuttals, so my throat is sore. I still got more to record, so let's get to this week's adventure. It's a lot of fun. You're going to get to see them roleplay like crazy. Roleplay, roleplay, roleplay. 
Check it out. Last we left off, you found a door. A door that you believe leaves this underground heck hole of insanity. You thought you were going to a party, but instead you have encountered gelatinous cubes, ghouls, undead monstrosities, rat folk, lying rat folk, a grick, and flying heads, aka varghouls. Now, finally, at the end, you see a door. And you gotta dust yourselves off, cover up those wounds, cover up those infected sores that are probably gonna turn you into something horrible and undead. But for now, you got a party to go to. And let's see, Gomez was bitten, don't worry about that. Basil looks perfect. Lomang looks perfect. Dougie was bitten and is wounded. Why is it that Basil and Lomang always look great? Dressed to the nines, spiffy, don't have a speck of dirt of them, and Gomez and Dougie are always beat up. Well, why is this? Uh... Aren't you? The, and you're the and you're the rear. Oh no, Dougie's not the rear. Basil's kind of the rear. Well, Gomez is the rear. Gomez, why are you why are you running into things? Why are you chasing after the shinies? Well, I don't know. I, that, that Those days are over. I'll tell you that right now. Seth Lipton is playing Gomez, a goblin elementalist sorcerer. But uh, in the words of the great sage Fernando, it is better to look good than to feel good. And I cast Prestidigitation and clean us all up. Thank you. I like Yay. it. Yay. People are still hurt, though. Chris Beamer is playing Lo Mang, an orc tiefling monk of the crane style. Um, I would like to think we're not going to get in a fight at the party, so I'm willing to use my lay on hands for my badge on Dougie if that would help. Jason McDonald is playing Basil Blackfeather, a Tengu empiricist investigator. Ooh. Uh, did I use my badge? You ability? did. You did. and Lo Mang yeah, used it. are there. Yeah, Gomez and Bowser. Yeah, and and or if we get in a fight at a big party with a bunch of people, we're probably not walking out in one piece anyway. Yeah. So. We should have crossbows I, for this. I used... Yeah. <laughs> uh, I used my two healing potions, and I think I got a two and a one by the looks of the... Uh, it was so awful. The rolls. Um, so they gave me three points after uh, uh, that, so... John Stats is playing Cadet Dougie McDougal. A human ruffian rogue. Yeah, I'm I done with the minor. I just used healing on you. I just used treat wounds on you. Yeah. At the end of the session, I see the rolls right there. So, I mean, I, oh, we'd, I was, have to, we'd have to wait another whole other hour. To totally damaged, yeah. So, I'm, I'm willing to burn my lay on hands. All right, me. yeah, because I, I am basically dead. <laughs> I mean, I'm walking dead. I, 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 I think I have another light cure like, like a like one of the small potions the I think miners are all gone all right gone. miners right. are gone you got a couple lessers left uh you can add six more hit points dougie and oh because of the uh, thing yep yeah yep. thank you yep yeah i mean i'm not trying to metagame but there's sort of sense That's that if fine. we get into a fight at this at a social interaction we've done the whole thing badly yes i wouldn't worry too much I mean, you it's know that this is—it's uh, just a party. What's mm, what? What could possibly go wrong? Oh, everything, 
Yeah, yeah. Who in, who invite who the invites ogres to a party? <laughs> yeah, Dougie's not. He doesn't have the. Uh, he has an eight charisma, so he's not going to be the uh, the party uh, the party uh, faith animal. the party faith. So, so let's do a few things. First of all, you did get a lot of loot, and you found the creme de la creme, something everyone always loves: the bag of holding. So you can just throw all that crap into the bag of holding and just tuck it under your. Um, that is great that we found that. Yeah. So the other thing is, I'm assuming you're taking your badges and hiding them. Like under yes. clothes, so that no one can see them. Yep. And undercover. Uh, undercover. Literally, you're literally putting it under your covers of yep. clothing. Yes. <laughs> the bracers of missile deflection. Gomez took those. I put them on your character sheet. Hopefully, you won't be well deflecting missiles at a party, but who knows? And some of the best parties involve missile deflection. That's true. And remind me, who is what? I have. The quick outfits. I have Lomang, Temple Guard, Basil, nice outfit. Uh, Dougie is taupe. And Gomez is the black and red outfit. That is what I have as your outfits. But give me a give me a rundown real quick of how you guys all look. Oh, I had that picture from last time. That uh, the, It was like I look like uh, Az from uh, the Myth Adventures. Uh, right. You look series. like Az from the Myth Adventures. So you're wearing this very fashionable suit of black with red stripes and uh, highlights everywhere. Yeah, it's actually it's a very it's a very classic wizard's outfit. Like, you know, it's a yeah. very classic like robe like wizard's outfit. D- Dougie is he's dressing down. He's basically going with the grunge thing. Uh, just very, uh, I don't know, just, uh, fashion of the day for the, um, uh, just dressing down comfortable, comfortable clothes. There you Bas- go. Basil is basically ready to understudy David Diggs in act two of Hamilton. <laughs> nice. Lomang is dressed as a seventies, uh, martial artist with the, uh, silk outfit and the Excellent. chains and things. So in front of you, you see an iron-banded wood door set in a frame of white brick. Not quite thick enough to completely muffle the sounds of festivities going on on the other side. What do you wish to do? I think we should stagger in, maybe. Yeah, who's our uh, talker? Well, Gomez has the best charisma, but I have some advantages with, like, society and stuff. So one of the two of us, or both of the two of us, probably... Stand the best chance. Well, you know what? I, Dougie I will open the My door. My is very high as well. Dougie will uh, he'll look for traps, of course, before he opens. But he's going to open the door and actually act like you guys are like worth um, noticing for. Uh, okay. You know, you, like, um, you you Jesus. You go to open the door and it's locked. Oh no no no! Let's see. Um. That sounds like a thievery thing. Yeah, let me think. <laughs> I gotta see if I have thieves' tools. I can't remember if I bought them. Basil actually has thieves' tools. Yes, I do. Okay, I'm gonna try to uh, unlock this device. Okay, you do the thievery check. I do not wish. I do not need to do it. It's not secret. The good news is the lock appears to be old and of poor quality. All right, and I bypass it. Yeah. Give me a thievery check. <laughs> yeah. Oh, to, okay. Yeah. Oh, I, I. That just means it's going to be easier to pick than, say, a good quality lock. I have high thievery. All right. Let's see. Give me that roll. Twenty-six. 
25. 25. You go click. You're like Fonzie with the jukebox. It opens. Yeah. First try. Click. I bump it, it opens. There you go. You bumped it. And with a flourish of my hand, I open the door and bow to Entra. You open the door and it appears that you have come across a door that is behind clothing and other materials. So it looks like you're in a storeroom that was forgotten about and they just put clothing and stored it up against this door. So it looks like you can sneak right into the party. I thought I was going to make a big entrance. Okay, so um, we're entering Narnia, apparently. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to go through the door. Oh, all right. As you enter into the House of Plains, you notice that there's a large central room that sort of acts as the hub and spoke for this entire party. You enter into this room. The walls of this room have been painted with an endless field of gravestones under a black sky. Open archways along the walls lead to numerous other rooms. A tall, black-robed woman with long white hair and ash-colored makeup perches on a spiral-marked headstone in the room's center, next to an oversized stone sarcophagus filled with dirt. You obviously recognize this woman as Phrasma, the goddess of life and death. You also notice that this room appears to be the central location, and there is approximately a dozen other rooms that lead from this room into all the others. So, just so you understand, I don't really have a map that shows that. So for all intents and purposes, all those rooms that you see listed here, uh, those are all connected to the central room, aka the boneyard. Something else you notice is there are guards very, very large guards walking throughout the complex, dressed as demons and angels. (laughs) Sorry, dressed as devils and angels. And you can tell that one of these guards could probably pick all four of you up in one hand and throw you out if they tried. So that is what you see. What do you do? So, are we starting in the coat closet? You walked out of the cloak closet right into this boneyard. So, so, we, so we've, we've successfully okay, integrated so we, into the park. Right, yes, yeah. you've integrated into the park. We're using our imaginations. All right. Uh, are, are, now, are there party people around, too? Yes, there's party people everywhere. Again, I'm not, I didn't really want to make this an incredibly busy map, but everywhere there's people dressed up. And they're dressed up to the nines. Some of them are dressed for the occasion uh, and seem to be dressed in appropriate attire for what looks like a party of the plains, because this looks like the boneyard with the phrasma impersonator here. Obviously, the guards are dressed as devils and angels. But then the rest of the uh, people here are just regular party people. But Knowing using even a basic society check that these are some of the movers and shakers of Absalom, some of the most powerful people, and they're all here tonight enjoying themselves. Uh, can we take a moment and uh, review our short-term and long-term objectives? Go right ahead. We're looking for 
this labor guy, this labor leader who his name is Hoff or something, right? Is that his name? Hoff? His name is German Hoff. Is it Hoff or Hoff? I don't know, but... Hoff. As Hoff. in the, the Hoff. Germain okay. Hoff. And he he was the last person to see the uh the 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 stonemasons from that other play the from the dragonfly pagoda because they went to see him about better lodging and they disappeared so we need to find him and get in to see him so we can ask them about the stonemasons so we, do we have an angle of approach actually i wanted to ask for when Steve we find that guy not really no we just kind of have to find him and see if we can get time with him however that would work i wanted to ask steve something really quick I wanted to do a either legal lore or society. I wanted to come up with the name of a lawyer who would be fairly known, but a little bit shady. Um, sure. You can come up with one. You can invent whatever you want. Whatever you think is appropriate. I'll let you use that one. Okay, because um, my idea was that my idea is that we need you know to have a cover story for being here. I was going to say I was one of the clerks in his office, and he invited me here as a reward for help with a big case. Sure. And the sure. fact and since <laughs> that's really funny. Can we all be paralegals? Since we know that German <laughs> Hoff, Hoff is kind of shady and takes bribes and stuff, I figured I'd pick a lawyer who was also a little bit shady. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that that sounds like a good cover story. Uh, you could be doing this all in whispers, and you know it's a party. It's about two in the morning. People are gathering around, and uh, while uh, while you're doing all of this, the can, the can woman... I be Bartle? I want to be Bartleby. Can I be Bartleby the Scrivener sure. from from sure. your from your law office? Bartleby James. Uh, you see the Phrasma impersonator. She looks at the four of you, and she looks at you and almost sees through you. She seems to be quite intelligent, quite intuitive. She says. All right there, honey babies. Are you ready for some judgment? Come on up. Let me judge you. I am so not ready for judgment. <laughs> I'll stand ready for judgment, whatever that entails. She walk up to her. Out of character. Oh, dear God. <laughs> oh, well, how do you do, Mr. Birdman? What's your name? Uh, my name is... Basil Blackfeather. Basil Blackfeather. Interesting. I know someone who goes by the name of Blackfeather. I believe they're tobaccoists. I believe they are famous tobaccoists. I even heard they had a son who was currently in school. Quite an intelligent young man. About your size, your age, your height. You want to know who he is. Would you? Oh, never mind, never mind. Don't worry about that. But anyhow, would you like to have a seat on my spire? Or would you like to be judged? I'm always up for a good judging. <laughs> well, well, well. And I and I would be he. I am currently <laughs> uh, working with uh, Prosecutor Gidry. And he invited, oh. me, he invited me here tonight as a reward for working helping on a big case. Oh, is that so? And she looks at you and sort of gives you a disdaining look and a little bit of a wink. She says, if you say so. But let me tell you something, Basil. I wouldn't be going around saying that because some of the people here might be able to put two and two together. And although I'm quite sharp, there's people here even sharper than myself, if you know what I mean. But with that, let's judge you. And she 
was talking almost to you, not really announcing herself, but suddenly her voice becomes much louder as she announces to the entire room, Oh, Basil Blackfeather, I see you have an eye for beauty and beautiful things. Off to Elysium with you! <laughs> and sure enough, she points to a door, and you can see over it is the door to Elysium. Ooh, oh, I will go off to Elysium, cool. I suppose. And then before that, she puts her hand on you and says... Hold on there, honey baby. Let me talk to you, because you look like a fish out of water. And let me tell you, you're going to get eaten alive if you continue to act the way you are. So let me give you a little bit of advice, shall I? Good advice is always appreciated. Yes, yes, yes. So it looks like you don't belong here. I can see from the four of you that your clothes are, well, they appear to be nice, but quite frankly, they're shoddily made and ill-fitting at best. And I can see prestidigitation didn't quite get off the blood and gore as much as you tried. But with that, let me tell you, if you're trying to find something and trying to fit in, which I believe you are, this is the place to be. And something of import is that in every one of these rooms, you'll find at least one person of note who will probably have what you're looking for. In fact, there's someone behind me. You see a female halfling who is sitting right next to that coffin, just sort of biding her time. And she looks back at you, the parasma impersonator, and says, See that woman there? That's Liana. She's a prominent fence. She, uh, you know, sells stolen goods, and she's very, very good at it. Of course, you can't just go up and talk to her. You have to impress her. But that's where this comes in, and she, po she points over to the sarcophagus full of dirt. She goes, you see, every one of these rooms has a challenge, and those of you brave enough to accept these challenges, I'm sure, will impress the most prominent people here. This little challenge here, and she sort of kicks it with her foot. She says, this sarcophagus, all you need to do is, oh, just get buried alive for a small amount of time. And, you know, try to hold your breath and avoid panicking. And if you do that with a bit of a plum, I'm sure you'll impress most people in this room at least. Or you can just go up to them and talk to them directly and see how that goes. Your choice? I can hold my breath a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, th I think bo I think bobbing for apples is more my speed for party games. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, this is. I a think I'm weird probably thing. off to Elysium uh, to start my my uh, partying. <laughs> not the I'm not the buried alive type. Well, I do warn you. There's one of these in every room, all a little different. This one's one of the more tame ones. Off with you, Basil Blackfeather! Off to Elysium! Off, off! And she, like, hurries you off to go to Elysium. I, I would next? like to state for the record that I'm almost immediately regretting not using a <laughs> fake name. Because <laughs> she knew exactly who you were? Whatever. Well, I mean, I, I, you know, you may come back to haunt us later. Right? But whatever. Too late. Decision was made. I wouldn't worry about it too much. Keep in mind, these people are obviously several levels above your pay grade, and perhaps, just perhaps, they were hired because they're really, really good at their jobs and really good party people, as you just well. And the out. general public are the general public are here partying. Ninety percent of them won't remember it anyway. Exactly. So I'm not I, I'm not too worried, but I'm a well. Little you do know <laughs> that this is obviously Whatever. a professional party person, and they are really good at what they do. And 
the three of you just saw that and kind of, I'd imagine both impressed and horrified that, wow, she cold read all of that off of him in like 30 seconds. Who's next? We need to add her to the party. She's a she's a top investigator. <laughs> or would someone like to uh, participate in the challenge? Dougie will go next. He doesn't mind being judged. He has nothing to fear. As you as you walk up, she looks at you and says, "Oh, and who might you be, Mister Man?" I am Dougie McDougal. Pleased to meet you. Dougie McDougal. Quite an unusual name. McDougal, where is that from? I am from Taldor. Yes. I've heard of the McDougals of Taldor. Sounds familiar. You wouldn't be associated with them, would you? Oh, yes. Yes, that's my family. My My whole clan is there. Interesting. And what are you doing here, Mr. Dougie McDougal? In this large town this city that might get someone like yourself into oh so much trouble oh i'm i'm like to i like to get in adventures and just probably start out um i don't know i'm just starting um i i I just got out of school and so now i'm um looking for work Mm. she looks at you and you know for a fact she can tell you're lying in two seconds like an interesting story (laughs) looking for work well i can say that might work well in this environment as people in here are always looking to hire those especially those that are willing to do mm, things a little above or below the law depending on how you look at it well dougie mcdougall of taldor are you ready to be judged i am ready to be judged He, he says it like it's on a game show like he shows that kind of enthusiasm of a game show contestant. She looks you up and down, noticing your drab colors, and says, Mr. Dougie McDougal of Taldor, I see a simple man with simple pleasures off to Nirvana with you. Ooh, that sounds great. Thank you. I, what, let's see, what's her name again? She's the oh, Phrasma. As far as you know, she's Phrasma. <laughs> If her name is Phrasma, the goddess okay. of life and death. Okay, that doesn't show up. Like, guard shows up, like her name isn't visible. That, that's because she's so mysterious. Phrasma. Okay, so where is that at? I, I don't see that either. It's not for mortals to know to her To the name. north, and off you go, if, if you wish. You can. You don't have to go there. She just. Oh, no. I. <laughs> there it is. Okay. Okay, and I will. Bye-bye. We'll bye. Since you're all splitting up, we'll do these in order. She looks back at uh, Lomang and Gomez. She's like, two down, two to go. Who's next? Or do one of you want to try the challenge? Looks like you can hold your breath a long time. She's looking ready to do mm. Lomang. Yes, uh, sure. I mean, it's in the spirit of fun, so why not? Oh, you're trying to challenge? Sure, and I, I want to make sure it's completely safe, though. Of course, of course. And she puts a hand on your shoulder. She's like, all the challenges here might mm, make you a bit uncomfortable, but none of them will kill you outright. We'll be sure of that. Plus, everyone here is high-powered. They can heal you like that. Don't worry about it. Oh, good. All right. I will accept your challenge. Oh, and with that, she's like, 
challenge accepted and everyone's like gathering around to see you and she's like please sit down in the sarcophagus they want me to lie down in the sarcophagus or sit yes lie Slide. down right. into the i lie down sarcophagus. I and it. then uh they they go about putting a thin layer of dirt on you and says mm. all you need to do is not suffocate and escape the dirt. And they're filling it up around your legs and your arms and your chest and behind your head. They're getting ready to put your head down last. And everyone's just checking it okay. out. And, and then um, and then one woman who's really interested is that elf. Uh, sorry, the, uh, the halfling. halfling. And she's like, she's really excited. She's checking it out. She's like, ooh, this is going to be good. And you, you believe people are actually making side bets, by the way, while you're doing this. So <laughs> nice. Everyone's like real excited. And she says, and what's your name? While, while you're getting buried alive, she's asking you about, about you. Well, what's your name, good sir? We my, need, my name we is Subatai. Subatai. Yeah. Unusual name. Where are you from, Subatai? Oh, as you can tell, I'm not really from around these parts. Uh, I am from a orc tribe in the hold of Dalton. Thief and archer. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, surfer on the side. Yes. Well, yeah, I have a, I have a, I have a, I have a, 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 a troubled past. I, I don't wish to talk much about it, but I, I suffice it to say that I, I am from an orc tribe and now has uh, moved to the big city. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, with that, are you ready? Oh, uh, I'm ready, and I and I stick my hand up and give the thumbs up. <laughs> and they go, let it rip, and then they like pour this huge mound of dirt on your head Great. so with that <laughs> give me a fortitude save and a will save to both hold oh your God. breath and avoid the panic of the darkness and there's the, the fort save the fort natural 20 28 look at that you couldn't wow. do you're like you're like this is nothing this is so easy so I've first, got this. I, I, first, this is like my day one at the temple, learning how to do this stuff. Okay, now comes right, the will save. We'll gotta, see if the will is the will strong. Save. Oh no, a Ted! Wait, 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 wait! You hero do point. have a hero point. You do got a hero point. Okay, hero point. That's eighteen. For for a split second, you're about to panic. You're about to lose it, but then you you remembered your uh, your chi, your mantra, and you were saying yes, it over and over. My meditation technique and. And, and and then you very calmly and very carefully escape from the dirt and pop up. And half And then the, I stand I stand yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say half the crowd is like, Yay and the other half is like, Oh obviously those who won have will, lost their bets. Right. And so then I stand on the edge of the sarcophagus and do a complete flip onto the ground with flourish. Like a, a flip through the air. They're like, ooh, they're all very impressed. And, and uh, start shaking all... the dirt off. <laughs> <laughs> and then with the, they actually come over and they press the digitation of dirt right off of you. Uh, a very ah, high level press the digitation, by the way. So there's not even a speck of dirt anywhere in thank your you. hair. Or in Much your appreciated. And, Gomez, uh, take notes. And uh, with that, <laughs> this, uh, this, this halfling comes up to you and she says, That was superb. I've been watching people getting buried all night long, but yours was by far the most entertaining, let me tell you. Well, thank you. I practice uh, my internal uh, key. Fascinating. She says, I am uh, Leanna Scrub the Bar, um, and you are Subutai here? 
Yes. Fascinating, fascinating. And what do you do for a living, Mr. Subutai? Well, currently I'm between jobs, but mm. um, I have quite a many varied talents and uh, wouldn't mind looking for work in these parts. Mm. Well, as you probably know, I'm uh, very interested in uh, procuring items. I have a network of traders that we are, um, you know, very good at finding and altering goods, you know, protecting them. I heard that. From I, heard, I heard you're in sales. I did hear yes, that. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, it's so hard to get certain items through customs. So people come to me to make sure that they get handled correctly, that every box is checked, that every I dotted, you yeah, know, those sort of things. Well, if you, if you ever, yeah, if you ever have any, any type of, uh, I mean, my, my specialties are, uh, are things involving um, heavy lifting, if you know what I mean. Mm. Uh, you know, well, if yeah. you uh, if you Protection. have anything you're uh, also interested in having offloaded, you know, anything hot or hard <laughs> to sell or, you know, a little illegal, you just let me know. I always have buyers, you know. It's Where can you illegal. be reached when you're not here? Oh, you know, around. If you're in this party you should be able to find me without much trouble i mean we all have the same connections correct yes of course right. of course so just uh talk to your connections and i'm sure you'll have no problem finding me so uh anything you were looking for specific are you here just to mingle uh i'm here to mingle and uh have fun uh with my friends we don't get out that often and uh also was hoping to at some point meet um uh, Mr. Hoff. Oh, Mr. Hoff. Yes, he's quite an imposing figure. Uh, he, he's somewhere around here. I forgot which room he's in, but you know he owns this establishment, so his time is going to be precious. But he does yes. like to mingle, but I'm sure you'll be able to find him as well. He lives here. He is actually the proprietor of this party, so of course you'll find him. Excellent. Well, that's what I had figured. I uh, wanted to thank him for... Uh being invited to this party and to uh you know mingle and see what else see what's in these other rooms this place is fascinating it's my first mm -hmm. time here okay well if you don't have anything you wish to trade with me or if you have uh, no other information um that you would wish to discuss so we one thing that does come to mind is um i was walking by uh, the dragonfly pagoda and there was some unpleasantness going on there uh, so some disturbances and uh, there's cobalts were involved and uh, it's 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 what we were told on the street the people on the street were saying that there is these workers that had disappeared and we think the coal I, the, the, the rumors are that the cobalts took them and scurried them away um, these are these are workers I believe they used to work for Mr. Hoff but they're missing now and it's the streets all a buzz as to where they could possibly be maybe you've heard something about that so it is a diplomacy check. Now I'll tell you how this works, just to give you an idea. It's a flat check, but doing things or doing doing things like challenges or talking to them and so forth will adjust the check, making it easier or harder. It's not a super hard check, but obviously succeeding at any room challenge will make it way easier because she's very impressed. It's super hard for me when I have a negative one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I roll it for you right, and she right. looks at you. And she says, you know, I heard about that cobalt disturbance. That's, um, 
That's pretty fascinating. You know, being in the business of making things disappear myself, uh, you know, it could be that those missing persons are, are simply folks cutting ties with their old lives and starting over. You know, Absalom is the perfect place to lose yourself in a crowd. I mean, who knows? Maybe those uh, foreign travelers decided to disappear. Maybe they found a job somewhere else. You know, usually it's the simplest explanation that's the most likely one. That's true. But they were talking about a, a possible dispute, a labor type dispute. So it's there was there was, there was thought that there might be foul play involved, but. Hmm. That's, prob- that's probably nonsense. And, and, and where, where were they from? You said where was this? Uh, which what was this uh, pagoda? You said dragonfly. Dragonfly pagoda. Yeah, it was. Uh, there was a large disturbance there, and there was the the, the constables were there, and uh, a lot. There's large crowds gathered. I was just mingling amongst the crowd when this was going on. Huh. That's fascinating. Yes. You know, um, wh- wh- where where is this pagoda from? Do you remember the uh, part of the world that they were from? Oh God! <laughs> I only have an eight intelligence. Uh, I think it was from yeah, it's from the far east. Far east, right? I'm, I think it's because in Galarian there is a far east sort yes, of yes, M- Macadian, I believe. Is that that yeah. sounds familiar? Yeah. You know, that is fascinating because I've been getting a huge amount of materials to sell because, well, let's just say the fair has been very good to me. Business has been booming, as you might expect. And I did get a large shipment of uh, Macarian goods, including some mason's tools, I think. That was kind of... Ah. So maybe they really did go missing, or maybe they were simply throwing their past behind them and they just ditched them. Someone picked them up and, you know, were able to uh, profit from someone else's... uh, from someone else's forgotten past. You know, that's all. That is interesting. Yeah, it could be. You know, it's hard to say. I don't really care that much, to be honest. I mean, who, who are they either? Yeah, exactly. I, I wouldn't I worry about I don't have any connection that. with them. I don't know them. So. Yes, but it was yes, just but... a curious thing that happened recently. It was a lot of... There's been some crazy stuff going on the last couple of days and with this uh, with the fair, but I guess that's to be expected. Well, yes. I've been getting huge amounts of knickknacks, mostly small items, mostly things from tourists and others that have been leaving it behind. So business has been brisk. Nothing large, I have to say, but... Are you the person that I would come to if I would like some black lotus? Stygian the best? (laughs) Of course. course. I would not sell to a slayer like yourself anything but the finest. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, well, for another day. But uh, I definitely would like to uh, to, uh, check out all of the different... uh, planes here oh yes please make sure you get yourself around there's there's a lot of fascinating people and rooms this is only the entrance way when do you see the really strange ones and with that she's like Excellent. well very nice to meet you subitai and i'm sure i'll be seeing you uh leanne yes and i give her a bow and i uh, then i walk over to gomez and i i fill gomez in on all that if you didn't hear it already Oof. Well, so what's the what's the summary of that? What's well, the, well the summary of that is it seems to me that uh, the that someone sold these um, their tools to her. That seems shady to me. Obviously, it's like did away with them somehow, killed them, imprisoned them, whatever. Yeah, the, Took their the tools the and fence, sold them. Yeah, yeah, fence fence the stolen property. goods. Yeah. So that's a clue. All right. And so that, I mean, I, 
You can Why? say you're there. You can say you're still there. Well, I was going to say, there. I didn't know if I had left for... I no, no, you guys can still say you're there before you all. You can say all you right. all split up uh, after the... This okay, then I would time. observe that she said the thing about people escaping their lives. That does track with the circus owner, the menagerie owner, and his mistress. It, could there be some reason these stonemasons wanted to escape or get away and they sold their tools to pay for passage or something like that? I mean, so it's an, it's just another possibility. It is. It is another problem. But I'm guessing that's kind of to throw us off the trail. I mean, it, it that's seems true. Like it could a... just be, yeah, it could just be that's what she was saying to be polite or whatever, could put a front up. Yeah. Well, I think we need to do more of these challenges because that really warmed up the crowd. Mm. Well, anyhow, while you are kibitzing, kibitzing, while you're kibitzing, Gomez needs to be judged. <laughs> <laughs> Rasmus uh, looking well. Lomang too. Lomang and Gomez still need judgment. Go for it, Gomez. I got a right. they got dirt in my ear still. <laughs> that uh, dirt's all gone. Okay, so I walk up to uh, my lady. She looks at you and says, "Why? You are very impressive. Mm. Although I can see that you appear a little sick. Are you feeling well?" Uh oh, it's nothing. It's 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 just it's just it's just a slight flu. It's a, some hay fever. Yes, I'm sure. I would strongly recommend you have that taken a look at. Anyhow, and what is your name, good sir? All right, so I am trained in deception and diplomacy and all of this garbage, and so I'm gonna I'm pulling a double bluff. I'm uh, going to tell her one name, and then but my actual cover. Gomez racked his brains and uh, and remembers a case file that he came across when uh, uh, he went, like when he's doing his, all of his research and his, and his work back at the uh, uh, back at the police office and uh, and came across a name in an interesting file of another goblin that was a uh, Pathfinder Society member and so Gomez says, "Oh, my name is Bond, James Bond." And I say that, and I say that lie terribly, very, very badly. And I wait for a response. She looks at you, and she gives you a half smirk, like Spock used to do with his eyebrow, and you know. And she's like, "Okay, Mister Bond, James Bond, was it? Very unusual name for a goblin, I must say. Haven't heard that one before." Uh, okay, so, so I, I try to uh, I conspiratorially. Uh, whisper so that's so the so the other people around you know can't hear very much and uh, say of course that's an alias my my real name is uh, Nix Knox I'm uh, from the Black Lodge of the Pathfinder Society but I don't want anybody to know that because I'm here uh, on vacation and I want to stay incognito I'm sure you understand of course of course I completely understand well James would you wish to be judged, or would you wish to take the challenge? Uh, I think, seeing how the last uh, challenge went, I think judgment would be more appropriate at this time. <laughs> excellent, excellent with that. And she looks you up and down, and raises her voice for everyone to hear, and says, Bond? James Bond the Goblin? You look like someone trying to hide not just your body, but your past is well off to Axis for you. 
And everyone's like, ooh, axes. Ooh. That sounds evil. Okay, I'm for it. And it's like, oh, is it, excuse me, is it this way? <laughs> so, um, finally, Lomang, she's like, Subitai, you must come over here and be judged. I'm ready. You are ready. I don't even I would like to. to go someplace warm, please. Mm, well, that shall be taken care of. It looks like you came from the underworld. So to the underworld, you will go off to hell with you. <laughs> I said warm, not hot. <laughs> Lake of fire. Go to hell. <laughs> uh, she literally told you to go to hell. Yeah. <laughs> go to hell. All right. Actually, that's not. That's I have ties to hell, so let's do it. Okay. So do each of you go to your. Your location. Yeah, let's your do own. it. Okay, all right, let's do it. And we'll go in Nirvana's going to be awesome. <laughs> it is going to be. Each one has their own little thing. Okay, let me let me get to Elysium first. Go just in order. As Basil enters Elysium, murals of impossibly high mountains and endless forests cover the walls here, while marble sculptures of winged snake women curl around pillars in the corners on one side of the room a live griffin is changed to an artificial nest glaring at patrons and snapping at tossed scraps while the waitstaff is dressed as cholesterol clergy and they maintain a very careful distance from this live griffin what do you wish to do um is there anybody look like there's a, does it look like there's anybody sort of running the show here or is it just kind of free form? Yeah, it's perception check or diplomacy. Either one will work. I think I'm probably better at perception, but I'm not a hundred percent. Um, yeah, I'm a little bit better at perception. Okay. Now, would I get the plus one related to German Hoth yet or would that be later? Well, I don't, 24, I probably don't need it. You don't need it. So sure enough, you know exactly what's going on. You, uh, you take a look, and there's actually people feeding scraps to the griffin, and you sort of like, so uh, what's what's the deal in this room? And one of the patrons uh, goes on to explain, says, oh, this one's a very simple uh, challenge. All you need to do is take your head and place it inside the griffin's mouth. That's it. <laughs> Sense motive to determine if he's telling the truth, is that? <laughs> oh, yes, yes. I mean, it's kind of trained. I mean, maybe, you know, you can calm it down or use some natural-born instinct to make it not bite at you. I mean, it won't kill you outright, probably. But it will, you know, maybe, you know, take off a couple of feathers in your case. But I'm sure uh, I'm sure you'll be totally fine. I'm going to go ahead and put some faith in the healers that they have here. Um, there is there a place where I can get scraps of meat? Oh, you don't need to worry about the meat. You can just approach the griffin and say you're accept you're accepting the challenge, and the handlers will take care of the rest. All right. Well, then I approach the griffin. I bow before the griffin, and I say, "I am here to accept the challenge." <laughs> and with that, everyone's like, "Ooh!" And they're all looking over towards you, and everyone's like putting down their drinks, and they crowd around. And the griffin looks at you and just lets out a rather large screech. And you're like, oh my god, this was a bad idea. 
they say, okay, okay. And the handlers are telling you what to do. They're like, okay, get down on your knee and just sort of put your head over to a side. And then we're going to bring the griffin over. And they like put a little bit of meat like near your head, just to sort of get a little whiff of meat on, on your head. And then they're like, okay. And then just, just hang out there. And then we're going to put your head into the griffin's mouth and see if you keep your head or not. Sound good? No, but I'm going to do it anyways. Excellent. Please, 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 please realize that we're bird buddies and don't kill me. <laughs> or at least, or at least half bird buddies. You are like you frantically looking at it and like saying in the mental telepathy, like, "Hey, bird person, I'm I'm of your ilk. Don't kill me. We're, we're somewhere we're... on the same family tree. But think of me as a distant cousin. Exactly, exactly. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna have some faith that they've got safeties and you know contingency plans, and I'm going to try this. Okay, so with that, do you have anything class-based based on animal friendship or communication abilities, or just good old nature? Up to you. Um, can I do a recall knowledge with expeditious inspection, just to see if I know anything about griffins and how not to piss them off and get killed? Yes. So, griffins are animals... You remember that. And they're very regal. So they, um, they're very powerful. But they can be trained. And they're actually pretty good to be used as mounts in warfare. So they can be reasoned with if you use some animal handling skill of some sort. In a pinch, obviously, just using your raw nature will do. And I don't think you have anything. That... I don't have any skills that would apply yeah. in terms of feats. So, so in that case, it would probably just be you using your birdness and raw nature to try to communicate with this regal animal that it doesn't bite your head off. I, I will be very ostentatious about it as well, since you said he's re he's very regal. Yes, yes. Oh, great Griffin Lord, I humbly approach you. They bow deeply, and I will try to roll my nature. Okay, roll that nature. Oh, my. Oh. Yeah, I'm re-roll. I'm hero-pointing that. What? You don't want a, a two. two? A two? Two that turns into a six. Let me not take that. Sure, you don't want to be like, oh, I accidentally trip into the griffin's mouth. Hey, griffin. Your mom. <laughs> Yikes, getting a little blue. Oh no, it doesn't look right. much better at night! Apparently I do not relate well to Griffins. Oh no. Well, you, you go over, you bow down, and um, the, the Griffin puts its mouth over your head, and you're like, you're, you're doing okay, and the Griffin is, is, uh, suddenly realizes maybe you are a threat. Maybe you are an evil threat to its bird kingdom. Maybe you're here to take over its territory. And it bites down. And they quickly, they pull it off. They pull it off of you. And a couple of feathers go. And, you know, a little bit of blood here and there. But nothing, nothing too bad. But definitely, uh, it, was, it, was trying to, it was trying to really chomp down and uh, take Yikes. a piece out of you. But I attempt to, when I, when I get up, I attempt to remain unflustered and I light my pipe. 
Okay, well, you uh, you take 11 points of damage as it uh, bit down on you. Um, but, you know, you, you going up and sort of not looking too flustered has at least the admiration of the crowd. So uh, they're like... And some of them, uh, some of them are uh, laughing this over, and and with that, a uh, a dwarf comes up to you and pats you very hard on the back, and says, "Ah, oh, <laughs> you thought you might be able to talk to it, bird versus bird. You thought maybe a little kinship there, but it looks like uh, he had nothing to do with that." <laughs> I, I thought I recognized him as a distant cousin. <laughs> that's funny Dustin cousin yeah that same thing happens to me and sure enough you're looking at this dwarf and he has dark skin and shown cheeks and you can tell that he's from uh, the Osrayan farmet culture and this is like uh, a sub culture way outside of the world of uh, Absalom you know, for dwarves even, that this is sort of uh, almost like the equivalent of drow to elves. Like, these are the equivalent for dwarves. So uh, he, he probably can relate to you being a distant cousin. You must have you must be here for the festival. You, we don't see many of uh, your kin around these parts. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, in fact, I am here. I'm here for this specifically. He says, ah, oh, myself, I'm, uh, I'm Osmond Neen. And who, who might you be? I am Basil Blackfeather. Uh, nice to meet you, sir. Yeah, Can nice I share a pipe? Ah, yes, yes. And he brings out, he has his own he has his own pipe and, of course, his own tobacco. And he's like, yes, yes, this is some of the finest tobacco from my homeland. It looks like he's looking at your pipe. Well, your, sir, uh, I, I accept that as a family challenge as my, as my family uh, creates has some of the finest tobacco in these parts so perhaps we'll perhaps we'll compare fine yes yes and he looks at your pipe he's like that's an excellent pipe and i can see that you also are carrying around a large stash let's let's smoke them because we got them good health to you sir yes yes so he's uh you, you start smoking it up and he goes on to explain he goes yes i am a i'm a procurement specialist i acquire whatever Clients need, no matter the rarity or legal status or current ownership, if you know what I mean. In fact, I'm the one who brought this griffin to the party. So yes, I'm I'm here for the festival, specifically this party, as they asked for me to bring a griffin. And here we go. One that was semi-tame. Not so tame that I'll rip your head off. But just tame enough to make it interesting, as you can see. I mean, you're okay there, right? Couple uh, scratches, a little, nothing. A little too interesting, but you you chose you chose him well. Yeah, <laughs> you'll be fine. Just rub a little dirt in it, you'll be okay. Do you do you know anything of uh, stonework and stonemasonry? I understand dwarves tend to have an affinity for that. Of course, of I'm, course. I'm I'm working on a case. I'm working on a case involving some stoneworkers who went missing, and I just. Uh, for my law firm, and I was wondering, have you heard any rumors of such things, or know of anything on the, along those lines? I don't know anything, uh, anything about that. They went missing, but let me tell you something. You know, my work, it, it often takes me to some of the seedier side, undercity, things like that, and you know, I'm pretty sure any disappearances you're hearing are probably the work of 
monsters from underneath the Isle of Kortos. Vagrants, perhaps even undead. You know, I can tell you right now, it's bad business to reclaim a lost district. I'm telling you that right now. Because where I'm from, when the desert claims a city, you leave it to its ghosts. So I wouldn't be surprised if these workers you were talking about were trying to excavate and something from underneath came up and ate them. That's that's what I think. Interesting. Have you had a chance to meet our host, Mr. Hoff? I hear he's quite a character. Oh, Mr. Hoff, yes. Uh, Since you've got the griffin for him, I assume you know him. Of course, of course. I mean, I know of him. He and I barely spoke, but he's definitely a man who gets things done. Whatever you ask of him, he will, well, he always comes through and he always pays. But yeah, this griffin, this isn't the only interesting I've, uh, this isn't the only interesting thing I've procured lately. I also very recently procured a, a live ochre jelly for a fascinating garbage sewer disposal system. I, I didn't really ask any questions about it, but I, I heard that they were going to take this ochre jelly and then sort of put it in a room, and they were going to have all the garbage chutes go into the ochre jelly. And that's actually quite a fascinating, you know, methodology for disposing of... Uh, garbage and loose items so definitely definitely was one of the more challenging items for procurement but of course i was able to get it done i'm sure i once uh we once had a guest of the family who'd had an encounter with a gelatinous cube he told quite a harrowing tale no oh, gelatinous cubes those are pussycats compared to an ochre jelly gelatinous cubes you know obviously they're good for uh Standard dungeon cleaning and uh, standard removal of, you know, adventurers that get too close to interfere. But something like an ochre jelly, that will make sure there's nothing left. Did you hear about that business of the the, uh, the one tower exhibit disappearing, the Gravereaker? Yes, that's that's fascinating. How did that thing disappear, I wonder? Maybe uh, it too was consumed, although there was no hole. I don't know. I don't know. That's uh, even for myself. That would have been a tall tale to procure. I was going to say, perhaps large. it was procured by someone with similar talents. Mm, I would have heard about that. Let me tell you. But if you ever really needed something that big, it might have been a little challenging, and it might have cost a small fortune. But I could have done it if necessary. I'm sure you could have if you handled that that Griffin. What do you think? What do you think of the tobacco? <laughs> Oh, this is mighty fine blend, mighty fine blend. What do you think of my tobacco? Very, very good, Master Dwarf. Very good stuff. Yes, yes, this is uh, quite, quite exquisite, I tell you. And then suddenly uh, the beast starts, like, making large sounds and starts, like, being agitated. He's like, whoa, hold on. I think I need to take care of this. I think we have another challenge. Well, it's, uh, very nice to meet you, Mr. Basil, and uh, don't worry about that, uh, those uh, those scratches. I'm sure you'll be uh, all healed up by tomorrow. Likewise. Good to meet you, too, sir. Yes, yes. So, that, uh, I mean, otherwise you look around, it doesn't look like there's anyone of similar interest, or at least that level of interest. I mean, you could always talk to others. Um, if there's nothing else you wish to do, I want to move to Narnia. Yeah, good. For, no, yeah, no, sorry, no for now, or maybe I'll go to a different room later or something. Get Put my head in some other animal's mouth. Nirvana. Let's go to Nirvana with Dougie. Nirvana. The walls of this room are painted with rolling hills, pastoral forests, 
and floating temples. The tables, bar, and seats in the room are mostly carved to look like tree stumps and other natural phenomenon, saved for a raised stone dais in the center, which has a squared-off surface inset with lit torches. So you look around, and it looks like um, this is one of the big bar rooms. Now, all these rooms have a bar, every single one of them. So you can uh, procure, you know, any drinks you want. And of course, there's bartenders and uh, waiters and waitresses walking around. But this one is specifically designed to, well, not just have a bar, but it looks like there's some sort of, I don't know, ring set up for like wrestling or something. Oh, wow. Um, So I'm not going to drink. We're not allowed to drink on the job. So that's... That's is there food being served? Like yes, desserts? of course. Oh, like dessert food? Everything. Oh, you Dougie's gonna go over to the dessert table. He's gonna start to find some nibbles to to to, to entertain. He's gonna look also at this. Uh, this Dias has a uh, raised uh, platform on it. Is mm-hmm. that what you said? Yes. Uh, like, is there something on that, or is it just it looks like it's something is meant to be placed there? No, it looks like there's people. It looks like a wrestling ring of some sort. It looks like oh, yeah. There's, there's something going on here. Probably, oh, so oh, oh, probably okay. something to do with the challenge. <laughs> okay, so it's a giant <laughs> yeah, thing. Okay, um, wow, that's interesting. I'm gonna ask one of the guests if he uh, or she knows anything about this this ring. So sure enough, uh, you you can ask anyone. Everyone seems to be interested, and obviously she. She looks at you and says, oh, yes, this this one's a fascinating one. This is, uh, you have to do a round of Phoenix wrestling with the bartender. And you see the bartender, who's a massive thiefling, who's grinning with a very large grin on his face. Uh-huh. And says, all you need to do is just pin him to the ground. Oh, and by the way, the, the uh, ring is set on fire like, while, while this goes on. But that's it. That's all you need to do. Uh, and you said it's uh, Phoenix Wrestling? Yeah, Phoenix Wrestling. What is that? I'm not, I'm not, That's not that. wrestling with the ring on fire. That's the Phoenix Oh, because it's on fire. Yeah. I see. Yes. And anybody who dies comes back to life. Yes, you can't die. At worst, you get a, you know, a small burn. Again, oh. it's, it's very quick. It's very quick. You, you have to, you know, you compete on top of the dais. And then there's, you know, burning torches. And if you're pinned to the ground, you take some damage. And then and it's over. Can, can anybody do this? Of course. Of course. Oh, 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 okay. So he's going to finish up. He's got some uh, some torts and he has some uh, hors d'oeuvres. And he's going to, like, lick his fingers clean. But he's not going to do a very good job because, like, he's trying to do it real quickly. So, um He's got some like uh, uh, yucky fingers, so he's going to. Uh, um, I guess is there a person who seems to be the, uh, the master of events or something? The bartender. bartender. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. bartender. Oh, you just go over to the bartender. Yep. Okay. Oh, I thought there was a master of ceremonies or something like running the show. So, okay. So we'll do this the uh, yeah we'll we'll do this the old fashioned way. I. I, I just heard about all this Phoenix wrestling, I don't know, and I want to get in on it. Do you think uh, you could uh, take me on? He looks you up and down, and he says, 
in a very large voice, a challenger approaches and everyone starts whooping it up. And without realizing it, you just, uh, you just accepted the room challenge and oh, wow. uh, they start lighting the torches uh, around the ring and he uh, does a backflip jumping into the ring, very monk-esque. And he looks at you, Uh-oh. and there's like a little area for you to walk in. And he's grinning from ear to ear. And again, he's a he's a full safeling, unlike uh, unlike your Mister Lo Mang there. So he's uh, he's a safeling from head to toe. Um. Wow. Okay. So, what's a safeling? Is that a class or tiefling? Is it... It's an ancestry. It's oh, a, tiefling. It's... Oh, tiefling. Tiefling. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. What are they? Uh, demons or devils? Chris? Devils. Always devils. Devils. Oh, devils. F, <laughs> F the demons. It's, always, it's all about the devil. Well, right. Dougie probably doesn't know the difference between a half and a full, but they're all the same to him, and he's not too impressed but with what he's seen from Lomang. So he's wow. going to go back to the uh, dessert um, table. And make sure that he gets a few plates of the, the things that are going first. And he's going to just like line them up on, like on, you know, in a row by the ring as he gets over to the ring. Just so that, you know, he has his, uh, he's going to put his finger on fingers on them so nobody else eats them. So uh, everyone is kind of horrified looking at this. And you're hearing whispers of like, who let this guy in? <laughs> They're all like, and seeing you like then lick your fingers and put it on the food. And the bartender looks at you and says, you know, we have endless food. You don't need to do that. Well, that would be the next challenge. Okay, so we're going to do this one first. Okay. Let's just do this Phoenix wrestling first. Right. You, you jump on top of the ring and... There is actually a ref that shows up, and then the rest of the torches are lit. So the area that you jumped in was was unlit, but now the area is fully lit, and you can tell if that if you're pinned, you will definitely have your face put into a torch. So you go into a uh, a grapple, like sort of a you know Greco-Roman, and you put you know one hand over each of your necks and the other hand on your back, and then it's literally just a grapple check to see who can grapple and pin the other one first. The good news is you, Mr. Dougie, get to go first, since you are the challenger. Do the people's elbow. Oh, <laughs> this is going to be easy. This is gonna do, be easy. do you accept the terms oh. of the room challenge? Sure, whatever they are, I accept. Whatever they are, sure. And with that, again, people are like putting in their bets, and it seems to be heavily betting against you, Dougie. Between your... Uh, your your licking of your fingers and the food uh, presentation and everything that you did and uh, uh, the bartender whispers over to you says don't worry you can be eating that food in a few seconds I'll be putting your face right there oh well thank you very much I'm looking <laughs> forward to it and with that he, he says are you ready I am ready and then okay. he gets ready and with that now, I actually don't have it, but I'll do it anyhow. Roll for combat! So, this is how it works. Uh, he says, fight! And you get to go first, Dougie. So, it's literally just a grapple check. So, with a grapple oh, check, it's either your athletics... Well, that's it, actually. It's your athletics check. <laughs> that's um, all. That's yep. all we need. That's yep. It's going to be all athletics, so... Okay. 
See if you can grapple him down. So you go first. You try to push him down, grapple him, and put his face into the fire. And I do that. Oh, my God. All right. You, you roll a 28. You not only... <laughs> That's not even a natural him, 20. Wow. Successfully pin him to the floor, but you critically success... And, wow. put, and put his face right onto the fire, as well as half of his body. Now, the good news is you win, and also the bartender is just grinning and taking it without any problem, because he's fireproof. The fire doesn't damage him, because he's a he's a tiefling, and tieflings are fireproof, so, eh. Oh, that's right, yeah. Do they, they, they all just start sh- chanting, snake? Snake, snake, snake. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're impressed. They couldn't believe it. This happened so fast. It was just like like within like a split second. It was like, and everyone's like, oh my lord, what just (laughs) happened? (laughs) It was like that pudgy little fellow just pinned the bartender in two seconds flat. Uh, He's Dougie is going to keep an eye on his. He's going to let him go, and then he's going to keep an eye on his food and make sure that nobody's like eating it nope no no one's doing it and with that the bartender pops up gives you a big old smile puts out his hand to shake yours and says well done well done i think a thing i think i learned a thing or two from you just now and he says to everyone drinks on the house on the challenger so unlimited drinks for you for free including oh. the uh the high-end stuff the top bar shelf is all for you buddy well, I uh, unfortunately that is um I mean he's not going to actually say this out loud but uh he's still going to stick to um his credo of uh his his investigation um uh morals in 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 abstinence from alcohol and he is going to uh not uh, abstain from the food. So he's going to, uh, he'll shake hands. Okay. You should order uh, a virgin cobalt. Yeah. <laughs> virgin cobalt. He'll shake hands and that will be the uh, bar pen- bartender's second mistake with Dougie uh, is offering hands and then he's going to go back to eating his food and stuffing his face. Mm. With that, as you uh, stuff your face, a rather tall female human who is nearly totally white, like really, really pale. And she's bald, has a patch over her right eye, and is wearing a black lace gown with a choker. And she walks up to you and says, You're not going to take advantage of the free drinks? Um, no. Uh, basically, have you ever read The Complete Daily Chores? by uh Rents Fitster. No. Oh, if the the daily chores chores is really dissuades uh anybody who wants to claim a tiny household to to not drink uh uh alcohol during, you know, unless it's like very late, but I I don't even do that. It's it's just not very productive way to uh uh go go about the the day. So I just didn't even have it for not drinking. She looks at you and she says, I respect that. I respect a man who knows his limits and wants to live by a code. I myself also live by such a code. Oh, you do? Tell me about it. I'm very interested in this code. Well, how about this? It's not the joy of clean living, is it? 
Uh, no, it's not. But if you oh, don't mind, okay. uh, may I get a drink on your tab? Oh, please, if that's permitted. I mean, I'm sure they wouldn't object. I could just pin them again for you not. if, if that's not. And with that, she orders like the top shelf, most expensive drink there is and like a triple. And she's like, says to the bartender, she's like, on his tab, of course. And he just the gives you a galactic gargle blast. Yeah, <laughs> it gives you like a very, he's a very uh, sly smile. And she's like, like the bartender knows exactly what's going on. And she says, well, I am Cass Hamish. Very, very nice to meet you. And who might you be? I'm Dougie McDougal. Dougie McDougal. Very, very nice to meet you. Well, thank you. It's nice to meet you, too. What uh, brings you to the party? I am a member of the Garot Sisterhood, a local gang of female assassins. And you can recognize us by our stylized Garot necklaces. Oh, dear. Uh, that is... That's a... Uh, are you guys, like, popular? Did, or, or are you a secret sisterhood? No, no, of course not. We're, uh, you know, sometimes people need things taken care of. And that's what we do. It's all above board. We uh, go through the proper channels. Everyone's aware of us. We're kind of like the Red Mantises, just not as popular or as effective. And she sort of like wanders off when she says that. She says, but we're getting up there. We're getting up there. What do you do, good sir? She's wandering away. No, like into her mind. She's thinking about like, oh, they're not uh, quite as good as the Red Mantises. The Red Mantises are the super, super elite secret society. They're the assassins in Galarian. Nothing beats them. They always Oh, win. okay. <laughs> you, you, if you go up against the Red Mantis, you lose every time. They're like the men without a face. These are the RC Cola of assassin, of female assassins. Yeah, exactly right. They're they're the up and comers. They're like they're like the triple A squad of uh, assassins. They're not quite the all stars, but they're getting. So, sorry, I hope RC Cola doesn't sue us. <laughs> no, I know what RC Cola is, but that's so old. I doubt probably five percent of our audience just got that joke. I've had RC Royal Cola. Crown Cola. Of yeah, course, Royal Crown Cola. Yeah, <laughs> great for baseball fans. Um. I am from Taldor, um, and I'm in town looking for work. I just, um, I studied really hard in school, and hopefully I'll uh, land a good clerical job somewhere. Hmm. Well, you know, the sisterhood, unfortunately, you're male, so you can't join us. And, but we do need clerics, you know, there's a lot of paperwork involved with assassination. You'd be amazed how much of my job is paperwork? The actual assassinations, maybe like five percent. Oh, I imagine that even just paying the taxes—it's—it's—it's it's a, it's a nightmare. I oh, mean. it is a nightmare. I tell you, you think killing is easy? It's quite complex. There's taxes. We got to pay our dues. There's lawyer fees. Oh, it just goes on and on and on. And of course, I have to pay a sisterhood a percentage of my uh, proceeds. You know, every single thing we do here, ah, they always take a piece and cut. Tell you, it's 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 a killing. It's a killing. Well, they're also your friends in government. They're 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 the best buddies you'll ever have. So it, I, I I feel patriotic when I pay my taxes. Although I haven't paid my taxes yet, so um, when I when I earn money, then I'll feel patriotic when I pay my taxes. I actually can't wait. Well, you know what they say. If you can't kill them, might as well pay your taxes. Yeah, that's true. 
but I'm I I mean you do you like you're here do you know the the host of the party Hoff Mr. Oh, Hoff? I do not know him personally. No, we're we're all here, and uh, there's other members of the Garrett Sisterhood uh, around. And now that you see her get up, you kind of realize that it's sort of a standard, almost uniform. They all look a little different, but now you recognize the necklace. You did see a few other females uh, wearing a similar necklace. Okay, okay. Um, well, it's good to meet you. I hope you. Uh, if you know of any clerical work, I'd love to uh, get a job somewhere. Um, you know, uh, keeping you know paperwork down to a minimum. I, oh, is I, that I, is I that the only reason you're here to well, find just, a job? Uh, yeah, I'm looking for work. Um, there's some I heard about. Well, if I can't get a job in clerical work, I thought I could do some work. Maybe I don't know in construction. I heard a whole bunch of construction workers had uh, some problems. A lot of them were disappear. A lot of them were disappeared, and uh, you know, if I can't get a clerical work, I'll do I'll do manual labor. But I detest manual labor, so um, if I have to, I have to. But I thought that I don't know. I'm just I'm just sussing out the uh, situation. Interesting, interesting. You know, um, have you heard about that? No, but if someone's disappearing mysteriously, it must be the red mantises that worked. I tell you, they are amazing. They, they, oh, I, I wish that one day I can become a member of that society. They are the best at killing. They're the pros at deception, the best at decapitation. I, I one day hope to have a sawed tooth blade and myself being able to wield it and kill with it. Oh, Would you leave the sisterhood to do that? Of course, of course. This is just a stepping stone to eventually get into the Red Mantis. Oh. I'm hoping that they might actually, you know, notice me through the sisterhood because sometimes the Red Mantises will recruit those from other societies, from other assassination societies. So, wow, do you think they have paperwork that they need to get done? You know, they probably do, but they're incredibly secret. You can't find them. They have to find you. Oh, okay. So you're probably not like trying to get high. So you don't know where they are or anything. Like you couldn't get no. a hold of them. No. It's it's invite only. Oh, it's not just invite only. You don't know about the red mantises? No, I don't know anything about the the, the red mantises, and he really doesn't know how, about the red mantises. Unless are they world famous? They're pretty famous. Even okay, all right, then he does. It. Okay, so the, <laughs> even though okay, you would so know about them, his yeah. crime lore is good, but I don't know if it's a local secret society. No, they're everywhere. They're um, they're it's like the Gambino crime family. Okay, okay, yeah, everyone's yeah, probably he heard, at least heard of them. You definitely heard of them. I mean, they're they're world famous, and I mean they're world famous for exactly what they do. They assassinate and they never miss, and uh, they. It's one of those like you don't know how you get into it, but if you get into it, you you're in it for life. You know, it's actually exactly like a crime family. That's uh, probably the closest analogy. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's probably uh, the mystery solved. We know who did it now. Now I know uh, who I have to watch out for if I'm going to get a job in construction. Well, I I will tell you right now. Um, you won't actually get to know when you're assassinated. The last thing you'll know is, well, you're sitting there one second and then you're dead. So you can't really look for them. They'll find you. And when they find you, it's too late. 
Well, I'll, I'll have to watch. I'll have to try not to antagonize them or any of their clients then. Yes, yes, yes. Well, anyhow, um, very, very nice to meet you, Mr. Dougie McDougal. Hopefully I'll see you again sometime uh, around this party or perhaps in the fair itself. I do live here and reside in Absalom. Oh, where, where, whereabouts? Oh, you know, here and there. Okay. I'm sure you'll find me. Don't forget my name. Cass Hamish. Just drop that in the standard locales. You know, the people you use to get your invitation to this party, I'm sure they'll be able to find me. Ah, all right. Well, uh, Dougie offers his hand to uh, uh, say goodbye. She's like, oh, very nice. And she quickly downs your drink. And before you leave, she says to the bartender, two more. Does, yeah. she, does she shake his hand? Of course. Okay. She's got food on her hand now. <laughs> and you know what? She looks at it. And she's like, mmm, delicious. And she looks it off. Oh, nice mm. recovery. Very nice. Mm. Classy. I like that old school. <laughs> All right. So uh, Dougie feels as if he's made a friend. And I think that's really the day's reward right there. Uh, she actually was very friendly to you. And you actually truly believe that she might be a friend, like a real friend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm not, I swear to God. Not he kidding. doesn't have to lose, uh, 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 no. miss a role at all. No, no. Okay, so he can't wait to tell the other guys about that. Unless, it's uh, is there some prohibition between uh, mingling no. in other rooms? No, no, no. You can you go to any other rooms. Yeah. Let's go to Gomez next. Gomez. Yes. Axis. You go into this room. All the tables in this room are perfectly square and situated in a neat grid. Copper wire runs in geometric patterns across the walls, linking together tiny glass bulbs that blink and glow. A chalkboard on one wall holds a riddle written in large, perfect block letters. I'll glance at the riddle. Without having to even understand what's going on, you're thinking, wow, I guess the room challenges this riddle, as everything here appears to be logical and orderly. Great. And so he reads it to himself, and it says, uh, you need to transport an inevitable, a protean, and a mortal to Phrasma Spire, but your magic plane-shifting ring will let you only take one passenger at a time. If at any point you leave the Inevitable and the Protean together on Chaperone, they'll kill each other. But if you leave the Protean and the Mortal together, the Protean will corrupt them. How do you get all three to despire safely? So this is a, yeah, I mean, this is a, this is a challenge that you might want to sit down and map out while you figure this one out, if you want to do this challenge. And I, I can I can jump to uh, to hell while you figure this one out, because it's probably not the greatest podcast to listen to you figuring this one out. But there is a there is an answer that um, if you want to if you want to figure out the answer. Oh, I see. Because that's because it's the next because the problem is the next one. It's like I take the uh, I guess it's, it's the other end. So it's like if, so if I take the, the old boatman puzzle thing. And, right, um, right, right, right. So 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 the idea is if I take the uh, yes, it's a it's a variant on that of the of the puzzle where you can bring what's like a fox. Oh, right, right, right. A, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's like it's a like lion you drop a sheep one, or something. Yeah. And you drop one off and you bring the other one back. Right, right. So right. 
That's okay. So, so I, I think I figured it out. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, you figure out the the math. It's actually easy if you map it out in like a piece of paper. So we'll quickly go to Lomang. Lomang goes to hell. That's where demons belong. Red lanterns drench this room in bloody light, illuminating walls painted with fiery pits and rocky crags. All of the tables here are inset into waist-high pits in the floor, and the bartender stands in their own bottle-lined pit in the center, sporting either a tifling brown horns or a set of remarkable fakes. Elaborate torture devices stand at the ready all around the room. That is what you see. Hmm. It looks like you're in hell. And there's torture devices everywhere. What do you do? So if you aren't aware of what's going on in the last week of Pathfinder, there's been a bit of a commotion is that on a channel called Taking 20, a very popular content creator who does about 95% 5e content and about 5% Pathfinder content, posted a video that said why I am quitting Pathfinder because of this issue. He also posted a fascinating response called Illusion of Choice Breaking It Down, his response to his Pathfinder video. When I'm recording this on Tuesday, December 22nd, this response video was just posted, and he goes through explaining in more detail why he's quitting Pathfinder 2nd Edition. And it basically comes down to math. Now, I'm not going to go into all the details, but it comes down to what he calls the illusion of choice, where he feels that all the classes feel exactly the same. That no matter what feats you take, no matter what class you take, no matter what spells you take, and everything else, that all the game feels the same in combat. Now, specifically, he's talking about combat. And in his response video, he actually goes through the numbers showing why that's true. And here's the thing. Cody is not wrong. In fact, he is probably very much correct. Now, I'm going to explain why he's correct, how to fix it, and how I fixed this exact same problem 20 years ago. So let's discuss the main issue, which is that all builds in Pathfinder 2 tend to end up being in the same place. That the only way to have fun in Pathfinder 2 is to min-max your character for combat, and that Pathfinder 2 is primarily combat-focused. So, yeah, there's a lot there. Now, a lot of people have put up videos and responses, and they mostly talked about the role-playing aspect of how they need to play their characters different, how to GM different, and I myself even posted something on Reddit to this very topic. But then in his clarification video, he goes on to explain that, no, he was actually talking more about the math, that the combat math is very, very tight. And the problem with that is that it doesn't make you feel much more powerful, and that even if you min-max your character as strong and as much as possible, that at higher levels you feel pretty much the same at lower levels. This is actually probably not incorrect, but there are ways around this, and I'm going to give my experience as to how I address this 
myself because I had this very problem 20 years ago when I was playing D&D 3.5 in my Age of Worms campaign. So I'm going to explain why this is and how to fix it. Well, first of all, let's go back in time. Let's go way back in time to when I started to play Dungeons and & Dragons, and that is first edition. And I mean really first edition. We're talking about basic. We don't even have advanced Dungeons & Dragons back then. We just have the very basic Dungeons & Dragons. And holy crap, that is the most unbalanced game in the history of games. That game was nuts. Uh, if you used a chest analogy, it would be like, okay, well, you're the fighter, so you get eight rooks, and you are the paladin, and you get eight bishops and three rooks, and you are the wizard, and you get four pawns, and that's it. And then, okay, everyone play chess against each other and see who wins. It was ridiculously unbalanced. But making an unbalanced game is really fun because you can do crazy stuff. The other thing about first edition is that it was a meat grinder. You would die. And I don't mean once in a while. I don't even mean all of the time. I just meant you died. This game made Call of Cthulhu look like Candyland. That game is beyond unfair. In fact, if you take a look at Tomb of Horrors, in the appendix, it gives you characters to play with. You were not expected to have one PC. They were like, okay, here's the party of 16 to 20 PCs to use through Tomb of Horrors. Each person was expected to play five or six PCs at a time because they were going to die. And probably all 20 of them were going to die. It was the definition of meat grinder. It was completely unbalanced. And we loved it. We loved it. We didn't know any better. Who knew that you can actually make the balanced games? But as time went on and we started to see other forms of entertainment like video games and other role-playing games that followed, we started to see balance. So there was a huge breakthrough and that was Dungeons & Dragons 2.0. Now 2.0 had Thacko and had a lot of problems but that was the first step in the right direction, and they started to create, wow, a balanced game. A game where the PCs actually had a chance, not only just if they had a chance, if they built their characters right and min-maxed them to death, they can dominate. They can do really, really well. And in fact, I love second edition as a video game. I have played thousands of hours of Dungeons & Dragons second edition as a video game. I actually haven't played it that much as a role-playing game itself, but it works great as a video game. So now let's go to Dungeons & Dragons 3rd Edition. Now 3rd Edition actually had balance. The first time ever that there was true balance to the game, but it was still very unwieldy the way skills worked and other aspects, so they updated it with 3.5. Now 3.5, a lot of people agree, is the sweet spot. That is the spot where the game really had a good amount of balance and your characters felt more powerful and stronger as they leveled up. The math in 3.5 is designed so that if you have a base, we're just gonna say like a base plus five to hit at level one, when you get to level 10, 
that's now like a base plus eight to hit. You're gonna hit 15% more of the time, no matter what, just by leveling up, you are gonna hit more often. But then when you're like level 20, it's like a base plus 15 to hit. It's a logarithmic scale where everything gets more powerful, the PCs get more and more powerful, stronger all the time, and you feel it. Even if you built a semi-broken PC in 3.5 and you managed to level them up, they would be okay because the math allowed you to get stronger. Now, as many of you know, Pathfinder 1st Edition and 3.5 are very similar. Pathfinder 1st Edition tightened up the math and made it not as crazy, but it was still in there. You still had the base logarithmic math of Dungeons & Dragons 3.5 in Pathfinder 1st Edition. Now let's go to D&D 4th Edition. Now 4th Edition, I played a lot of 4th Edition. I played 4th Edition from level 1 all the way to level 20. I played an entire campaign. I played the crap out of 4th Edition. I actually liked 4th Edition because it did a lot of things right. It also did a lot of things wrong, and I remember the number one complaint, and I had this complaint too, is that 4th edition, everything felt the same. Because everything was the same. Everyone had the same types of abilities, or if you remember, you had like your dailies, and you had your encounter abilities, and all those abilities, and all they did was rename them and reskin them depending upon your character class. So that really did feel the same. The other thing about 4th edition is that the math was very, very tight, to the sense that if you had a plus 5 to hit, at level 1, you also had a plus 5 to hit at level 10, and then had a plus 5 to hit at level 20. I'm actually exaggerating. You got a little bit more powerful as you leveled up, but it was so minute and so small that you didn't really see a difference. And because every single character had the same type of abilities and same type of attacks, it felt almost more like a card game than a role-playing game. In fact, 4th edition was mostly criticized as a fantastic game when it came to miniatures combat, but it was an atrocious role-playing game. Terrible. Now, it looks like Cody is kind of taking the 4th edition analogy and tying into the Pathfinder 2nd edition. And in some ways, he's correct. He's correct in thinking that the math is much tighter in 2nd edition. It actually is. The math is very tight in 2nd edition. To the point that, are you that much more powerful at 10th level than you are at 1st level? And the answer is, not really. The math is so tight that you really have to figure out how to play your character, and more importantly, and this is the secret, you have to figure out how to play with a group. Now, we actually encountered this ourselves on this very podcast when we were first playing 2nd Edition. If you listen to the Fall of Plaguestone podcast, I discussed this in detail throughout the podcast. This was the first time we ever played second edition, and we were all taken aback about, well, how hard the game is if you are playing by yourself. Everyone at first and second level of that podcast was pretty much on their own. They were all trying to do their own attacks and their own abilities. But something that Pathfinder second edition added, whether you realize it or not, is a huge amount of teamwork. 
There's a lot of teamwork in second edition. And if you don't take advantage of the teamwork and working together, you will probably die. Once you start to take advantage of teamwork and the abilities that your class gives you, you will start to do much better as a party. Now, this was a specific design decision that the developers at Paizo decided upon, that you are stronger as a party than you are by yourself. The casters have a lot of spells which will help out other people, but not themselves during combat. The monk can stun monsters and mess them up in all these unique ways but it doesn't really help out the monk directly on their turn and so on and so on. There are all these abilities that are built into the classes where you really have to work together. And if you don't coordinate, you will probably have a bad experience in Pathfinder 2nd Edition. If you are all playing solo and you are trying to min-max, you might have an experience similar to what Cody's players experienced. Now, I have no idea what happened at that table. I know nothing about that table, but I saw it at my table. And again, you can see this happen and how they fixed it if you listen to that podcast. At level one and level two, they are getting their asses kicked left and right. And then they slowly figure out, wait a second, let's start helping each other out. And then by third level, they're doing really well they're helping out each other, they're casting spells and using abilities that will make the attacks easier for each other, and it really worked out well. And then, at fourth level, they were powerhouses. They were doing great, and that's just at fourth level, because they found the secret to the sauce. And that is, the math is very flat if you go solo, but if you help out each other, you can get advantages out the wazoo and suddenly it gets a lot easier to attack monsters it gets a lot easier to damage them and to incapacitate them and that at least in my opinion is the secret of what makes pathfinder second edition a lot of fun now how do you take care of this in your game well i wouldn't keep this a secret I would definitely not keep this a secret to your players. Don't let them figure this out. You should really talk to them. If you are trying to make a new game, a Pathfinder, and you say, hey, look, I'm warning you, this game does not play like a video game where you get more and more powerful. This strangely plays very much like an MMO where everyone is kind of a support class. Yeah, you're DPS but you're also support, and you're a healer, and you're support. Or maybe you're a spellcaster, and support. Everyone has to have some ability to support each other, and if you do that in combat, you will have a much better time with the game. Now, I'm not going to argue numbers, because if you sit there and actually do the numbers and figure out the math, I am going to agree that the math is really tight. As someone who has been doing nothing but looking at monsters for almost a year now as we're doing the RPG Superstar and I'm looking at math and figuring out what attacks are and where the sweet spots are and how much damage everything can be done. The math is tight and the math being tight can lead to boredom, especially if you feel that I'm making my character as powerful as possible 
and yet I seem to be doing no better at level 10 than I was at level 1. And that is a completely valid argument. Now, if you decide, you know what? I don't want to do that. I want to be solo. I want to kick ass. Well, there is a way to solve that. And I don't think a lot of people are going to like it, but that's just the way it works, is that you should probably make your characters one level higher than is recommended inside the dungeon. I find that that works wonders for this game, that suddenly you feel that little bit extra power. If you're, quote, supposed to be level four, and instead you make your characters level five, that will work out really, really well. Your characters will be much stronger. They'll have abilities that are probably a level higher than expected for the monsters you're fighting, because a lot of the monsters follow the same rules that the Pathfinder characters follow as well. There's also another way to handle this, and I'm gonna give you the way I do it. The way I do it is not for everyone, but I'm gonna bring it out there because I find, in my personal experience, this is the best way to handle it. And that is, you have to make sure that there is conflict in your gaming and that it is interesting conflict. Now, I probably mentioned this about a trillion times in past recordings, but basically, conflict is the core essence of all storytelling in all forms of media everywhere. No conflict, no story, no game, no fun. Period. It's so important, I'm going to say it again. No conflict, no story, no game, no fun. Now, I can actually prove this to you. I want you to boot up a first-person shooter. Not a puzzle game or Minecraft, because that's a whole other topic that I can get into, but a game where conflict is the point of the game, such as a first-person shooter. Now, I want you to go into God Mode. Now, I want you to play that game from beginning to end. That's right, all 10, 12, 20 hours of that game in God Mode. See how much fun you have. The answer is, the game will suck. There's no challenge. There's no conflict. It's boring as hell. You will probably give up after 20-30 minutes. Yeah, you can do some cool things and you can look around the level and try out stuff you've never done before, but that will get boring fast and then before you know it, you're never ever going to do that ever again. God Mode is actually only in there, mostly for testers and modders and people trying out new things. God Mode is not meant to be a way to play a game. So, back to the role-playing game. You have conflict that shows up in two places. You have story conflict and combat. Now, combat is literally the definition of conflict. And how it works in a role-playing game is that as you level up, you get new abilities, and supposedly the game changes, and supposedly the math changes. And that should really keep you entertained as the challenge and the conflict changes. So, for example, when you're level 10, you have oh so many cool abilities and spells and special abilities and weapons and all that fun stuff that you can now do that makes it more interesting than when you're level 1. That is how it is supposed to work. In fact, MMOs figured this out a long, long time ago. There is a reason why they keep changing the meta in World of Warcraft that every year or so, they completely redo every single character class over and over again. 
because you will get bored if you continuously play the same character over and over again and you're raiding over and over again you will be bored out of your mind you will play the game you will master the character you'll feel like nothing will challenge you and you will stop playing but if they change it and you're like oh i have to relearn my character and re min max it and do all this fun stuff suddenly it's a completely different game now, obviously, in the world of Pathfinder, you can play different types of characters. And spellcasters are obviously very different than a melee-based character or a rogue-based character. They have completely different abilities. And that's how it works in role-playing games. The other way it works in role-playing games is that they publish supplements that give you new feats, new abilities, new ways to play the game. So that, hey, I only like to play a monk but I've played every type of monk there is. Oh, there's a new supplement out with all these new bunk abilities. Let me try those out because those are new. Now, I will agree, if the math is too tight in a system, it will start making it feel like every single monk ability is exactly the same. I will argue that the math in Pathfinder 2nd Edition is not that tight. There is a big difference between the monks in this game. I have seen multiple monks, I have seen multiple fighters, multiple rogues, and so forth, and they all have played quite differently. That is one of the strengths of Pathfinder 2nd Edition, but I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. Let's go back to what I was saying, is that how do you fix this issue if you have min-maxers and power gamers who only want to play the game to the max? Well, this happened to me 20 years ago, Age of Worms. Everyone was playing the most souped-up, maxed-out character you could ever imagine. Chris's monk was nigh undefeatable. Nothing could get through Iron Fist. His character was the man with the golden arm. Nothing, and I mean nothing, could defeat his character. And it was really getting boring. But we noticed something. What we noticed is that you can have something called cohorts or followers in 3.5. It was a feat where you basically got another character. And this character had to be two character classes below yours. So, for example, if you were level 5, the character had to be level 3. If you were level 10, they had to be level 8 and so forth. So in that game, they had two cohorts. They had Moonshadow, who was a female ranger, and they had Norris Neverhit, who is a dwarf rogue. And one of the rules I had is that I would make the followers, and then they could find them in the town and then hire them. And one thing I used to do is I used to make the followers really broken. I used to make them not min-maxed. I used to make them, like, really good in some places, but, oh my god, they were really broken. And as overall characters, you would never, ever want to play them as PCs. But something happened. As we started to play, we noticed over and over again that, especially during combat, that Norris Neverhit, who was named Norris Neverhit because supposedly he was such a dexterous rogue that he would never be hit, was exactly the opposite. He never, ever hit the monsters. So that became a running joke. And Moonshadow, same thing. She always had issues whenever it came to casting spells or doing anything magical as a ranger. And suddenly, these characters were the most interesting characters in the party. The 
four PCs who were superpower charged out of control, who can do no wrong and defeat every monster, they were boring. The two cohorts that were totally broken and not optimized, they were amazing. They were so much fun. And suddenly we realized, you know what? This is more fun. It's way more fun to play broken characters. It's way more fun to play characters with flaws. It's way more fun not to min-max and to actually try to play characters that are not optimized. And then suddenly they started to do that. They specifically started to make characters that are broken. And I have to say, in the Agents of Edgewatch podcast, many of those characters have flaws. They purposely took flaws for their characters and did not take the benefits. They just literally made their characters weaker for fun. Now, I as the GM have to realize that because of this, the math will be messed up. So I continuously reward them for doing this. I continuously make the monsters not quite maybe be as efficient or maybe have flaws of their own. Maybe they're fascinated by one of the characters or they only attack a specific way or, well, you kind of get the gist. I find playing flawed PCs is way, way more fun than playing optimized PCs. And after doing this for 20 years and seeing hundreds of PCs go through my table door, I have to say that that is, in my mind, the secret to having a fun table. And that's the beauty of this system, is it doesn't really matter what the math is. If you have a tight system like 4th edition or Pathfinder 2nd, or if you have a really loose edition like 1st or 2nd edition, God forbid you played one of those for real, that's okay. As long as you have a GM who realizes this and realizes that they're trying to challenge themselves, don't play the killer GM. Try to make the game more challenging and make it more like a puzzle. We were just discussing this because they almost went overboard in Agents of Edgewatch. They made their characters so non-optimized that they actually are having some problems in combat because the math is so tight. And I discussed this with them and they said to me, you know what, Steve? Combat should be a puzzle. It shouldn't just be rolling numbers. We should figure out ways to beat the monsters using non-traditional ways and work together. And I have taken that to heart. If those of you listening to the podcast, you will start seeing that more and more often in the game. Where it's not just, oh, let's beat the character by pummeling them to death. No, the character might have a weakness. Very similar to how it works in World of Warcraft when you're fighting bosses. That if you just try to straight out DPS a boss in World of Warcraft, you will die. Instead, you have to learn the patterns, learn the tricks, learn how to defeat that boss in combat. And that is how I, at least, am playing Pathfinder 2nd Edition and countering the flat math inside of it. Now, if you're decided, you know what, I I don't want to deal with any of that. I just want to play a game where all the math just makes my character more powerful. I want to play solo. I don't want to have to figure out how to coordinate with the rest of the party to make my character stronger. Then you know what? Pathfinder 2nd Edition might not be for you. Because for better or for worse, the game is very tight and requires you to carefully consider how your characters are built when it comes to combat. But when it comes to role-playing... 
Oh boy. The role-playing in Pathfinder 2nd Edition, this is some of the strongest role-playing I've ever seen. In fact, to those of you listening to the Three Ring Adventure podcast, you're going to be in for a treat. It's not for a little bit while, but there's a time where we spend something like six weeks role-playing. That's it. In fact, I don't even know if we've rolled any dice. We even talk about it in the podcast where we're just having so much fun role-playing our characters and doing goofy stuff that we completely forget about the main adventure, kind of. There is a lot of fun things you can do with your character concepts in Pathfinder 2nd Edition, and the feats lend themselves to those character concepts. You saw that a lot if you listened to any of the Black Lodge podcasts. Those characters were really colorful, and almost all of the role-playing attributes came from the actual character builds themselves, their feats and abilities. So I'm going to say right here and right now that Pathfinder 2nd Edition is what you make of it. The math is what it is. It's a tight system. It requires you to work together. And if you decided you want to play solo, well, maybe this is the wrong system for you. I'll say that right now. But here's the thing. No one's forcing you to do anything. There's an issue that John Stats says all the time. He hates, hates the way healing works in role-playing games. I don't mean in Pathfinder. I mean in all role-playing games. He hates the fact that you have to roll a die and that you can get, you know, for a minor healing potion, you can get a 1d8 and you can get a 1 or you can get an 8. And he thinks that is incredibly stupid. But you know what? Whenever I bring this up to Paizo or anyone else, they all say the same thing. And they say, you know what? This is your game. You can just say, hey, every single time you take one of those potions, you get five hit points back. And that's it. Or eight hit points back. Or a hundred hit points back. It's your game. Do whatever you want. I do this all the time. I change the monsters. I give them more hit points. I give them less hit points. I change their AC in the middle of combat to make it more fun for the characters. I change their abilities. Because you know what? In the end, this is a game, and all we're trying to do is have fun. And if your characters aren't having fun, then either change the game or change the system. So with that, I will say I agree with Cody, is that if he's not having fun with the system and doesn't want to change it, then stop playing it. And I completely agree with what he has to say. But for me, I love the game. I love the system. I love the lore. I love the feats and abilities and items. And I just love Pathfinder 2nd Edition. I think it's great. I love the adventure paths. And we're not going anywhere. So that was long. If you have any questions or comments, please let me know. I'd be happy to discuss what you think of this all. And believe it or not, I actually had a longer version of this that went on for more than an hour, and this is the short version. But I will probably talk about this in other ways over the next couple of weeks and try to clarify some of these statements in more detail. Hopefully you got something out of this, and hopefully you can use this in your game at home. You've been listening to Roll for Combat, Agents of Edgewatch. If you have a question or comment for the show, please visit us at rollforcombat.com. 
You can also find us and play various games on our Discord channel at discord.rollforcombat.com.